0: just a second, but I want to I enlighten us a little bit. We go through our day, and when our day is done, how many know our day is not done? How many ever go to sleep at night, try to go to sleep at night, and your head is just reeling, okay? I was sharing with somebody recently, uh, since I've started this series, okay, uh, I probably have not slept a good night, this has been weeks, I, I have probably not slept a good night. I have to continually remind myself of God's words of victory and deliverance and overcoming. Why? Because the Bible's very simple. You smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. If the enemy can get me distracted from this subject, then he can get you from knowing this subject. Okay? Not because you can't know it on your own. But sadly, most of you won't know it on your own because you won't go looking. You won't go digging because we have this fear in the back of my mind. Well, you know, if I kick the devil, he's going to kick back. Folks, kick him. You've already defeated him. Okay. What's the statement that I've made at the very beginning? You have to enlist. You have to engage. If you do not engage, you lose. Okay, people. Oh, I'm just going to ignore the enemy. How's that working out for you? Are you having no problems? Is everything just peachy keen? Is everything just smoother, smooth as butter? Not at all. So, so the reality is when you, when you deal with your day, you have to deal with your day. The, the psalmist writes and says that God gives His children rest. You say, "Well, Pastor, you just said you're not getting." That's right. I am getting rest, but my rest is in him. He's given me the strength. He's given me the ability. He's given me the overcoming dominion. But the reality is I'm still dealing with it. Okay? And Well, Pastor, can we teach on something else and you'll feel better? Well, yeah, but it ain't going to help you. It's not going to help all of us. We all need to grow, and this is one of those areas that the enemy tries to keep us oblivious of. Am I making any sense? Okay. So we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for God's covering. This is what I do every night before I go to bed. And you say, well, pastor, it doesn't seem like it's working. Oh, if I doesn't, if I didn't pray like this, it'd be a whole lot worse. Okay? My wife and I, when we pray every night before we go to bed, my prayer is, God, cover our minds. I plead the blood of Jesus to hedge of protection about our house. Your angels posted about our house. Okay? You say, well, pastor, does that stop everything? No. Nah. But it stops what could be. See, the enemy's plan is a whole lot worse than you guys ever think it is. And you know, I happen to be one of those pastors that would rather tell you the whole truth than let you sit around and say, Why where's God? What's wrong with God? How come I'm going through I mean? You're going through it because you're a Christian. Going through it, yeah. Now living in it, going through it. So that's what I pray. And I say, God, I post your angels about every room of this house. I I thank you that you're greater in this place because where I am, like I shared with you, when I go to a hotel, when I go any place, my prayer is always, I don't care what was here before, God, you're here now because I'm here. And whatever was here isn't here. We live in a physical world that's ruled by a spiritual world, okay? If you're... Like Sarah and, and and others, you're out on the reservation. You've come from that background. You know this very well, okay? It's there. It's prevalent everywhere, okay? Uh, we don't. We like to once again try to ignore it, but it, that's one of the reasons we live defeated lives, okay? So we're going to pray, and we're going to we're going to pray this prayer. Father, thank you. God, every one of us deal with stuff. Stuff is a real part of life. And the very sad reality, God, is stuff is not going away. Matter of fact, God, you said before you return, it's going to actually get worse. And God, I'm not the bearer of bad news, but I am the proclaimer of true news. And that true news is even though it's getting worse, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Father, we thank you. We praise you, God, that it's not by might, It's not by power, it's by your spirit that we overcome. And God, cleanse our minds tonight. God, open the eyes of our understanding that we might see. God, what we haven't seen, that we might do what we haven't done. That God, we could once in our lives begin to go where we haven't gone to overcome what has overcome us too many times. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Last week, I opened the door on obsession, oppression, suppression, and depression. Well, I'm going to continue those thoughts tonight because what I've done is I've written down some things to help you recognize if you're an obsessive person, and I wrote down some things to help you overcome that obsession, okay? Uh, and so is that okay if we, get, if we continue in this for just a second? Three people? Do I hear four? Okay. Right now we're just going to worship God. The greatest story that I have, folks, that I am his and he is mine. The Bible says because of that, the banner over me is his love. Can I tell you where the love of God is? The fear of the world cannot exist. Can somebody say amen? I don't know the first words. Blessed assurance They're up there, aren't they, Bob? Jesus is mine Oh, what a taste Of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchased of God Born in His Spirit Washed in his blood. Everyone. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song I'm praising my Savior All the day long Sing it again, everyone. This is my story. This is my story This is my song I'm praising my Savior This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. I'm praising my Savior, praising my Savior all the day long. Come on, say it one more time.
1: I'm praising
0: my Savior all the day long. Are you doing that? You want to overcome the enemy? Praise him. Praise him. Philippians 4 says, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of a good report, any virtue, any praise. Think on these things. You want to get the devil out? Put Jesus in. Amen? I don't know what the next song is. It's up there somewhere. Okay. Keep going. Uh, come on just tell me the name Bob the yeah that's right thank you I've never actually done this one by myself Heather always does this come now is the time to
1: worship
0: come now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come. Let's sing that again. Come, now is the time to worship. Okay? Everybody together. Come now. Come now is the time. Come just as you are to worship. Just as you are before our God, come. One day every time we'll confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Everybody sing it again. One day every tongue will confess You were God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose You now. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time. Give your heart Come Just as you are To worship Come Just as you are Before your God Come everybody's thing One day every tongue Will confess you are God One day every knee will bow, still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. One day, one day every tongue will confess that you are God, one day every knee will bow, still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give glory. Come. Come on, give Him praise, would you? God, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. There's a song that I wanted to do tonight, and. And I I tried to get it into Planning Center, and I couldn't get it in there. So I'm going to try to teach you the words. We did this song a couple times years and years and years ago, okay? And and, uh, we haven't done it in a long, long, long time. But the song is filled with the names of God, okay? Let me see if I can get it enough, get it here. And this is something that I think is so critically important, especially when we begin to look at these, the spiritual warfare that we're in. It's to know who God is. The tough thing about your life and mine is we try to make it through life. But that's the problem. We try to make it through. Like the little skit that I put on on Sunday about the baseball player Jesus is running with us but he won't run without us he'll get us everywhere we need to go but he won't go for us he's already been there he's defeated everything the bible says that we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens Jesus Christ the son of God and because of that let us hold fast the profession of our faith Because it says we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was likewise in every area, tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because we know this, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and help and mercy in our time of need. I don't know about you all, but I have times of need. Oh, probably a few dozen times today. I got to call out to God. I got to call out to God. When I get a text message and, and it's somebody crying out saying, Pastor, how do I do this? How do I do that? When I get a phone call and, and uh, you know, I, I, read, I get a message on the other end of it or I pick it up and I, I answer it. And somebody is saying, Pastor, what about this, that, or the other thing? There's sometimes I just got to say, God, ain't got a clue. But you do. And I cry out. But one of the things that helps me to do that is I know who God is. And that's what this song talks about. Oh, you found it? Did you find it? Oh, I bet you typed it in, didn't you? Tell Bob how much you appreciate it. He typed all this in. Just thank you. One of the words that we recognize Jehovah Jireh God is the provider. Now, there's another name in there that we have. It's it's Jehovah Shama. Very similar name, but a different application. But I want you to listen to the words as I sing it, and I want you to sing it with me. I went out all over the Internet. I can't find this song. I went and found the original guy that sang it, but it's so old that he don't even sing it anymore. I don't know if he does or not, but still. It goes like this. Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider And he is more than enough for me He's Jehovah Rapha You're my healer It was by your stripes That I've been set free He's Jehovah Shammah. It means He is with me. That He supplies all I need. What's the Bible's telling us? He's more than enough. More than enough. He's more than enough. How many believe that today? When I found this song, that was the only verse of the whole song. And I said, well, God's got a lot more names than that. So I went through all the names of God, and I thought, God, which are the ones that I cling to? The ones ones that help me a lot. And these next words, you can go ahead and put that second verse up, Bob, if you would. I wrote these and I put these in this song because I said, God, this is who you are to me. He's jehovah He, He's my shepherd. He's a guide and a comfort to me. He's jehovah Nisi. He's my banner, my covering. He's my strength and my victory. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's my contentment. You see, church, he's the peace that covers over me. he's more than enough, oh, so much more than enough, he's more than enough for me. That's how I get through my day, is I know who he is in every area. Those last three names, folks, they always just... That's that's why I had to include them in this song. I thought, how come the guy that wrote it didn't do that? Because he wasn't me. And God said, I got this song just for you. So let's try it together. From the beginning. I'll do it without crying. I'll do it without losing it. Think about the names. And think about the situations you go through. Say, God, yeah, this is who you are. This name is probably one of the oldest names that we find in Scripture. This is when Abraham, on Mount Moriah, was going to offer his son Isaac. And as he lifted the knife, the angel of the Lord said, Don't do the boy any harm. And in the thicket he found the sacrifice. And that place, Abraham called God, Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Where are you at in your life? Does God need to provide something? Just a little look into your pastor's heart. Jehovah Jireh, sing with me. My provider, you more. me this next verse Jehovah Rapha this was the the psalm of David who was wounded who was hurt who was broken and he said God you are my healer and we find it represented in psalm 23 Isaiah recounted it in Isaiah 53 When he says he is wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. How many need that tonight? He's Jehovah Rapha. You're my healer. By your stripes I've been set free. This next one, Joshua, said, God, you're always there. I never lack because you always have what I need. We find this outlined in Joshua chapter 1 where God told him, he said, you got to be strong. you got to be of good courage, but you got to know that as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. All of these things help us to know every day of our lives that God is there. Can somebody say amen? Jehovah Shama, you are with me to supply all I need. What are we saying you're more than enough So much more than enough You are more than enough For me You're Jehovah, he, You're my shepherd You're a guide Jehovah see, you're my banner, sing it with me church, you're my strength and my victory, Jehovah Shalom, you're my contentment. covers over me, you're more than enough, so much more than enough, you are more than enough for me, God, yes, you are. Of God's people said. Amen. Isn't it good to know the names of God? We're going to work on that some more and hopefully add that one into our worship. You think everyone work good in there? You think it would? Good. I am not going to get into your notes tonight. I'm going to get stay into mine because I want to finish up what we got, got onto last week. There's a lot of questions, a lot of good. Response, and and I want to, uh, let me hold on just a second here. Stop, stop, stop. Did it work? It worked. I've been having one of those days with my computer. We talked a bit about obsession, oppression, Suppression and depression. I want to finish what I started last week. I talked about oppression and obsession. Obsession seemed to be the catchphrase. I have been watching the news. And how many think the world is a little obsessed right now? They're obsessed in changing our history. They're obsessed in rights. They're obsessed in who's right and who's wrong. They're obsessed with so many things. And the sad reality, many sitting in this room are obsessed. And this is a great detriment to the Christian community. Why? Let me give you two words that obsession are synonymous with being a victim, and satanic strongholds. When you do a word study of the word obsession, it's always connected to victimization and strongholds. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about this just a little bit more tonight, and then we'll move on into part two that you have in your notes. But I think this kind of... uh, kind of touched a touched a vein last week. And I want to thank, you know, Miss Eula here. She said, Pastor, could you kind of delve into that? And can I tell you frankly, I would rather be a little superficial in things. Because that makes me deal with less. But it's good to dig into things because it helps people to grow. Can somebody say Amen? The Webster's Dictionary or the Free Dictionary defines obsession as a compulsive preoccupation with a fixed idea or an unwanted feeling or emotion that's usually accompanied with the symptom of anxiety. Anxiety is sweeping the country. It's sweeping the Christian community. Fears about what I can change, what I can't change, what I can do, what I can't do. Folks, I live a pretty peace-filled life other than the demonic assaults that I deal with. You say, well, pastor, it shouldn't be that way. Anytime you kick a dog, they're going to bite you. Now, I could be just like a lot of pastors, and I'm not faulting somebody, but these subjects they won't talk about. Therefore, a lot of people go through life, a lot of Christians go through life without any victory. They just kind of go through, stumble along, say, well, praise the Lord, I'll get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Folks, I ain't got skin on my teeth. Unless I've been eating chicken or something, I might have some skin on my teeth, but that wasn't good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If Pastor Ray was here, he'd just be shaking his head. Oh, okay. But Folks, I'm not getting to heaven. Can I tell you what? I'm getting to heaven because I'm purposely planning to get to heaven. I'm living a purposeful life. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not looking for blowing up. I'm looking for going up. Folks, I don't give a flip what they do in Charlottesville, Big Folks, yes, ugly, bad. guess what? I can't do anything about it. I can get mad. I can get caught up. I don't care what they're doing in Reno. President Trump was in Phoenix last night. And the news says they hired almost 10,000 protesters. They hired? Less than 1,000 showed up. But somebody got paid. Folks, what are you getting all wigged out about? What, I, and I'm not saying you personally, but us. What's, what's the deal? It's a preoccupation with a fixed idea, an unwanted feeling or emotion that causes symptoms of anxiety. This is the free dictionary definition of obsession. And then I love the way it concludes. A compulsive, unreasonable idea or emotion concludes. We wonder why we get caught up in things. This is called obsession. But we can overcome this. And what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes. I've got some scriptures. Justine, give me 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 through 3, if you would, please. Uh, I've got some others that I want to look at. I'm not going to be, I got lots of scriptures, but for sake of time, because I really want to get this done, um, this part of this tonight, if I can. And please, if you have questions, lift your hand and let's ask the questions because i can promise you if you have it 50 others do too okay uh miss heather i want you to give me second timothy 2 actually john harmiel cuz this is the nlt or do you have the nlt can you okay never mind uh then john give me john give me uh, john 844 and let me just I'm going to try to get further than that because I really, 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 really want to get. And so if I, if I ask some other scriptures, I'm going to ask you to just look for them, and let's get through them quickly as we can. And I don't mean quickly. Please, whenever I use that term, don't, don't think I mean to just pass over because I do not ever intend to just pass over something. Okay? So let me look at this. Let me look at this real quick. Obsession, obsession let me just let me just finish what I started last week. Last week we talked about oppression, we talked about suppression. We didn't get into depression much, but can I tell you the root of the three is this issue right here okay they're all they're all attached and as I've shared with you, a Christian cannot be possessed, but they can be obsessed, suppressed, uh, uh, oppressed and depressed. So, if I have time tonight, I'll start into depression. Uh, The other two I, I skirted over last week. Why? Because they're more a fruit of this deeper root. Are you okay? Obsession can be considered a drive, they have a disorder. How many know what it is? What is it? Obsessive compulsive. I'm not, I'm not encouraged. I'm not tapped on the show. I'm compulsed to do this. And I'm obsessed with it. Just like all this garbage that's going on in, in America and the world right now. There's an obsession. The, the Islamists have an obsession of getting rid of all of the infidels. Well, Pastor, I'm not an infidel. Are you Muslim? You're an infidel. No other choices. See, in Christianity, you okay, fine, do whatever you want to. If you want to go to hell, go to hell. <laughs> a Christian's not going to stop you. They sure the heck ain't going to kill you. But a Muslim will. Okay? It is not a religion of peace, never has been, never will be. And I can tell you why the media and the rest of America are obsessed with trying to get that, but that's another topic for another day. Obsession is a driving force. So if I asked you a question, what drives your life? What is the motivating factor? But not just motivating, because motivation's fine. But it's the manipulation of that motivation that causes obsession. And I want you to stop me if you don't understand what I'm talking about. Because I wrote this down. And let me share this with you folks. You hear me ask this question all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making sense? You know everything I preach makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) But it doesn't always make perfect sense to you. So I ask you, Sherelle, does this make sense? And she'll sit back and say, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Not, I'm just picking on her, but the reality is, if it doesn't, tell me. Because I will try to dissect it into sensible nuggets. Are you with me? Okay. Kay. What is it that drives your life? Now, I'm going to leave that question open for just a second. Because every single one of us have a drive in our life. Some of us, is our, our drive is basically for ease. is for contentment. But how many know life isn't easy? And how many know none of us are ever content? That's why Paul said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. I've learned. Say that with me. I've learned to be content. He said, whether I have much or whether I have little, I've learned to be content. That's the lesson we need to learn. All of us. Okay? Because this is a undying reality. It's a. Drive. It's an obsession of life. Bigger, better, brighter, newer, fancier. Don't look at me like that, like you don't know what I'm talking about. You buy something brand new, and when's the new wear off? 30 minutes later? I'm going to pick on John Harmeil for a second. He goes out and buys that fancy gun. Now he, and I'm not saying he did that. Maybe he did. I don't know. But the reality, that's the reason he can get those elk at five miles away. They don't even know what's happening. They were just eating lunch and all of a sudden they're dead. What's going on here? Six miles. He bought the big gun, the 10000 Anyway. But the reality is, after he has that gun in a while, if he doesn't continually, and this is going to sound bad, keep the new of that, there'll be something newer out there. There'll be something better out there. If he doesn't become content with what it can do or develop it, Sarah's sitting back there saying, You know my husband really well, don't you? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But if he does not, he'll have a whole... Sandy, I always call her Sarah. They're both beautiful. It doesn't make a difference. Most moms, I guess, would love to be called their daughter's name. So that's... that's Anyway, he would have an arsenal that all of us, you know, when the apocalypse comes, we can go hide in his house. But he's got to find satisfaction. He's got to find contentment. And the only way that he can do that, it has to become the best always. You know how you you keep contentment and satisfaction in your marriage? You treat her like a queen. And she'll treat you like a king. You say, Pastor, do you always do? Huh? I try. I really do. Do I fall short? Don't ask my wife. <laughs> because she honestly would say, Yeah, he does. But you know what? She loves me. And she knows that I'm the best that God gave her. <laughs> Ooh, I knew some people were going some way. <laughs> and you didn't even say anything. Thank you, sweetie. What drives your life? Now, there's a correlation that people like to put, and that's obsession and passion. Well, I'm not obsessed. I'm passionate. But they're really two different terms, complete. Now, passion can be bad, but passion mostly is good. If you're passionate about the wrong things, you can be in a negative situation. This will constitute lust. Now, when you look up the word lust, the root of lust is covet. I talk about John's fine gun. I've seen it. I've laid eyes on it. He would not let me lay hands on it, (laughs) but I have laid eyes on it. And, you know, I have an opportunity in that to Covet that gun. I jokingly say, you know, I I covet my neighbor's dog, little Bella. Bob and Tina's little Chihuahua. Reminds me a lot of my old dog. I don't covet the dog, but jokingly. But the reality is when you covet something, let's take it to its nth degree, I lust after it. When I lust after it, I become obsessed obsessed with it. See, it all roots out of covetousness. And what is one of the Ten Commandments that God established at the very beginning? Thou shalt not... When you have a problem with obsession, you have a problem with covetousness. When you have a problem with obsession, you have a problem with lust. When you have a problem with obsession... You have a problem with being a victim. They're all rooted. Ultimately, the devil has a stronghold in your life that you have to overcome. I'm glad you asked that. It's in my notes. But the reality... It can be an obsession, or it can be a passion. One's a positive, one's a negative. We're going to talk about it. That's a good question, okay? And keep the thought. Let me continue on here, okay? Lust, in the biblical definition, means to desire or be consumed with desire, to crave or to covet. We want our passion to be right, correct. I've been working on losing weight myself. I'm not obsessed with it. I ate a burger today. Violation of violations. And my coach is sitting in the room. I'm not obsessed. But I am passionate about my objective. You say, well, Pastor, how could weight loss become an obsession? i got to go to the gym five times a day, seven days a week. I can't fudge a little bit. You notice I use that word, fudge. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you see the difference? I have a passion to get my weight down to where I need to have it, okay? Not what the... Obsessive people say, they say, at my height, I'm 5'11", and my, my physique, which is... <clears throat> <coughs> oh. That's why I wear loose clothing. I don't want to offend anybody with the ripples. <laughs> oh. Of course, it could be the fat ripples too. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> they say I should weigh 165 pounds. You know what I'd look like at 165 pounds? But the reality is, I'm not going there, but I am passionate about the objective. So is it wrong? Not at all. But when it becomes an obsession, it becomes bulimia, anorexia, all rooted in anxiety, coveting those girls, those boys in the magazines, I want to look like that, really. You know, when I when I first started pastoring, and I, I've shared this with you before, so if it's if it's repeat, please forgive me. When you get older like me, you repeat things a lot because you don't remember you said them before. But I won't go there. Did I say that already? Anyway, <laughs> I, I wanted to preach like Billy Graham. I wanted to preach like David Wilkerson. I want, and you know, God interrupted me on my prayer one day. I was studying and, I, and I, I would read how Wilkerson did or, or Graham would do it or, or, or you know Wigglesworth or some of the people that I grew up on. And, and God interrupted me one day and he said, I already got a Billy Graham. I already got a David Wilkerson. I already did masters. So why don't you just preach the way you preach? And so hopefully you're okay with it because that's what I do. Okay? <laughs> Passion is okay. Obsession is the convolution of trying to be what everybody says you should be, trying to measure up, trying to fit in. And just like I preached on Sunday, folks, if I'm okay with God, I don't have to prove myself to you at all. Okay? And so to overcome obsession... We must consider the difference between passion and obsession, because we'll throw our whole, the whole baby out with the bathwater. Simply put, obsession is passion out of control. Let's put it that way, okay? And then, if it gets out of control, it becomes a stronghold. As in all areas of our lives, God's truth is the only thing that can help you overcome obsession and destroy strongholds. Okay, Second Timothy or Second Corinthians, chapter ten, verse three you have that? Mm-hmm. Okay. What version are you reading? Uh, NIV. NIV. Okay. I'm going to stop you a couple times in it, but I want you to listen to this. Okay. Go ahead.
1: They all ate the same spiritual food.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Second Corinthians.
1: Second Corinthians.
0: I'm going to say we're in the wrong Corinthians, I think. Yeah. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Are you there?
1: For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does.
0: Okay. So st- st- start it again. Okay. I want you to listen to this because this this is critical to overcoming obsession. Okay. We've got to understand the parameters of our life. If not, every time you hit a bump in the road, you're going to want to quit. Every time you hit a bump in the road, you're going to want to do something different. Every, You know, can I tell you something? My wife and I, We have disagreements. Now, I've shared it with you. They are all usually her issue. But we've had disagreements. Oh. Can I tell you something? If when we have a disagreement I want to change, I'd be changing clothes every day. I'd be changing relationships every day. You know why? She ain't me. Well, she makes me change my clothes every day. Most of us guys put the same clothes on. <laughs> hey folks, I like it when I can get they they get to the place I can whistle for them, and they come back to me the next day. I like it. It's good. Wrong colors. Wrong colors, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But anyway, folks, I want you to listen to this from the perspective of understanding life is life, and you ain't it. He is. So read that, read that line again, and we'll continue on.
1: For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does.
0: Okay. What's been happening all around the world right now? Well, let's forget the rest of the world. What's been happening in America? They're tearing down the history. You got black lives against white lives, against brown lives, against yellow lives, against red lives. Have we got all the different colors and lives? I think Jesus died for all lives. I'm not thinking it's an issue of skin color, it's an issue of blood color. All of these things. He said, we live in the world, but we do not wage war as the world does. He's talking to Christians. You know, when he's talking to the church of Corinth, let me give you a little little, uh, historical understanding. Corinth was one of the most heathenistic, hedonistic, humanistic, Christian groups in the world at the time. They were all about themselves. Does it sound like today? You go to church, we talk about people getting involved in church. The problem with most church, is all about you and not about God. It's all about what I can get, not what I can give. God's Word says our lives are supposed to be about what I can give. What about what I can get? You got it 2,000 years ago. It's called a free ticket to heaven. Like somebody's game. We got a paid-for ticket. Oh, What do you got to do? You got to live the parameters. Just live for Him. That's all. Serve Him. Though we're in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So that should be our first understanding. There is a physical problem with a spiritual. I like to put it this way: every physical fruit has a spiritual root. Okay. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. What's it say next?
1: The weapons we fight are not. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world.
0: Okay. So. Is it going to do you any good to go out and protest? Nope. Well, uh, I'm, protesting, I'm protesting Christian rights. Then go get them saved. Now, folks, I'm not opposed to standing up for rights. But whose rights? Ours or his? Well, my rights, you have none. The only right you have is to live for Jesus. And that's the right that he paid for. Are you, are you okay? Am I getting too political? Folks, the reality, we have no rights. And the moment we start propagating the thought that I do have, it's called obsession because I've become a victim. What about my rights? They were nailed to a tree. I want this to be clear tonight, folks. I want us to understand. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. But now let me give you the, the ingredients of overcoming obsessiveness, obsessiveness, victimization, and the strongholds that the devil puts a stranglehold. That's why, that's why the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 6 says, Leia is at Hebrews 12. Lay aside every weight and the sin. It's that one area that the devil wins every time. Well, You don't understand. Don't care. It's not about you. It's about him. And when it becomes about him, it becomes all about you. But we get it backwards. What about me? What about me? You know what I deserve? Anybody take a wild guess? What? Hell. Yeah, that's what I deserve. But thank God that Jesus took what I deserved. Okay? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Not of this world. I'm I'm quoting another verse. Sorry. So let's go on here. What's the next verse say?
1: On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds.
0: Say this again.
1: On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds.
0: The weapons that we have are not of this world. They have divine power to demolish obsession, victimization. Compulsion. Strongholds is the single word. And then it tells us how. It tells us that we're in a battle, but the battle we're in is not of this world. And the weapons we fight with are not of this world. They are divinely orchestrated by God, through God in us to do what? demolish strongholds and then look what it says how we accomplish it.
1: We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ.
0: Can somebody say amen? Okay, so I'm going to take this into a a different translation, I want you to look at it in the the uh, new living we destroy says proud, uh, vain arguments is what she just read correct uh, The words that she used was uh, uh, demolish arguments and every pretension. Let me read it to you. Uh, the new living translation as it actually goes closer along lines with the with the uh, the original language, and I can—I'll take you to that if you'd like to. With the—if uh, you ask me to, okay. We destroy the new living says every proud obstacle. What's going on in America right now? A bunch of pride obstacles standing up. How well, you don't know what this thing represents? What that thing represents? It matters why. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. Yes, it is. There's been hurts. There's been pains. There's been difficulties. Okay? Are you going to live in it? Are you going to be victorious through it? Am I making sense? Every proud obstacle, then look what it says here, I'm reading the New Living Translation that keeps people away from knowing God. That's all it does. All these battles, all these contentions, all these obsessions. You know why? When you and I live in an obsessive condition, who's focusing on who? You think they're seeing God in you? They're seeing you. Oh, oh, let me rephrase that. They're seeing the devil in you. Now, I know that's hard stuff, but we're talking about obsession. Every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, we capture their rebellious thoughts, and then we introduce them to Christ. See, this is how we overcome this scenario. This is how we overcome this situation. Notice in that the scripture that, <coughs> that uh, Justine just read. My, it's funny, my, my watch has one of those things that tells you certain things. It just told me, breathe, breathe. <laughs> it, it just come up and said, breathe. I guess I'm getting a little passionate, aren't I? <laughs> breathe. I thought that was hilarious. Let me see if you can see it. Yeah, look what it says here. Is that what it says there? Calm down, son. Where's Hensley? Shout out, take your time. Yeah, we got it. I'm breathing now, Hensley. Thank you. Yes, Carlos. Okay. question. Please, please. I'm getting pretty intense here, folks, because this is an intense situation. And this is destroying the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says before that great and dreadful day, there's going to be a great falling away of the people of God. You know why? Because you're getting caught up in all this offense. They're getting caught up in all these obstacles, all these proud pretensions. Carlos. I don't mean to rush you, but are you going to tell us what our weapons are? Yep. We would get him out of here. Okay. Carlos can't ask questions anymore. Okay. We wage war, but not like the world wars. We have weapons, but not like the world uses. It says that we have the ability to demolish strongholds to demolish these obsessions, to demolish these victimizations. But it's a choice that you have to make, I have to make, okay? Now I'm going to get a little theological, okay? The word for obsession, or the word, or excuse me, for stronghold is the word akaruma, okay? It's it, That's how they pronounce it, so go figure it out. It literally means to fortify like a strong castle. The derivative of, is to be fortified in your opinion or to be obsessed. That's the root, the Greek word for stronghold. Obsession. Obsessed. The Greek give us the idea that once you believe or buy into a lie, you can be kept in a prison until you decide that maybe it's not true maybe it's not the way i'm looking at it but rather a belief the one you're bound by is something you've acknowledged and accepted okay three things that happen okay when you become obsessed you literally become a prisoner that's locked up by A deception. In other words, you believe a lie as if it was true. Okay? Once again, covetousness is the root and anxiety is the end fruit. Okay? Let me give you an example. Okay? Who is a prisoner locked up by deception? Lucinda, you brought it up. Women do this all the time. They think they're fat. They think they're ugly. When in reality they're not but what are they doing they're comparing themselves with the world. We're in this world we're not of this world we're in this world but we're not fighting the war like the world fights. okay They live with this deception and this deception has locked them in a prison. they become obsessed with diet, exercise, skin care. Once again folks it's okay to be passionate about getting yourself in shape. But it's not okay to be obsessed. They're completely different. That's when it becomes a stronghold. Men are just the opposite. We think we're hot and we're not. You ever see a guy in a gym? I love those. (laughs) You see them on... On, on Facebook or YouTube or something, some guy, some big old guy is, is running on a treadmill all of a sudden he loses his step and he falls flat on his face and all of a sudden some girl's walking by and he say, Whoa, pulls himself up into, into push-ups. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just doing it. <laughs> yeah, men are just the opposite. Don't worry guys, the girls can see right through it. Jewel and I were on a cruise. This is what started our passion. We have a neighbor next door to us who who introduced us to a a a wonderful, you know, program. It's very good. It actually works. And uh, I'm not trying to put a sales pitch in there, but if you want to see it, go see Bob. Back there in the back. <laughs> because it works. I've lost a couple pounds. Uh, my wife and I went on a cruise last year, or not last year, beginning of this year. One of my best friends. Mitch Thurman, you all know him. We saw each other. We hadn't seen each other in months and months and months. We walk onto the boat. First thing he does, first thing he does when he sees me. Praise the Lord, we're both fat. We don't have to go out and lay out in the pool or anything like that. (laughs) Nothing like having friends around, is there? (laughs) Ignited my passion. And, and, you know, and, and then we saw him a few weeks ago. He was here with us, and he's actually lost 20-something pounds himself because he saw us. First off, when he saw us, he got bummed out. He said, oh, man. But then we said, Mitch, you could do this too. And so him and Jeannie both are doing it. But the reality, passion's okay. You become passionate about something, okay? Let, let, while I'm talking about the guys, while I'm on the boat, I saw guys in Speedos. Why do I have to go there? Because that's sin. That is plain sin. I think you'll go to hell if you wear them. I could probably bind chapter and verse. (laughs) See, watch. (laughs) I knew you would do that, Bob actually I didn't know you do it oh, that's perfect though. see what happens That's what the skies do that's what the skies do okay boy, I just lost this whole evening. I know okay but it's just nasty don't don't dress like that guys don't dress like that. Come on the second thing the second thing that happens okay is a place of strength where evil is entrenched, grabs a hold of our lives. And we think we're okay. This is how the enemy works. He works deceptively. When a stronghold is in your life, it's a place of strength where evil is entrenched, yet you think you're okay. You're not even aware that that particular stronghold is there. Whenever it becomes, you are, or excuse me, Uh, Let me make sure I can read this as I wrote it. Whenever it becomes you are right and everyone else is wrong, we have an obsession. We have an issue. Folks, I meet people all the time. Well, it all depends on how you interpret it. That's your first problem. I'm not interested in how I interpret it. I'm interested in what the Word of God says. Well, uh, yeah, but you interpret it one way, I interpret it another way. That's your problem. I interpret it, in context of what the Word of God is saying. When I take it out of context, that's when I can read it anywhere. Okay, there's a possibility of a victim-obsessive stronghold that's in a person's life when they always have to be right. Evil has deep roots. Someplace in that person's life, their home, their church, and God calls it another name. It's called idolatry. That's the picture of obsession. The domination of a thought, an image, or something else. Okay? The third thing. Am I making sense? Amen. Yeah. Okay? The third thing is strongholds you know are there when well-protected places become difficult to attack. What do I mean? Pastor Ray has to come and challenge you on something, has to come ask you about something, and all of a sudden, you get irritated about it. You get bothered by it. You blow up about it. You even leave the church over it. There's a stronghold. It could be a mind. It could be people. It could be places. The enemy, remember, this is a spiritual warfare that we're in. We fight in this world but not of this world. A very strong Foothold is just the very beginnings of a stronghold. And many times it's because he is entrenched and has been there for a long time that we don't see it anymore. But God tells us we can demolish him. Here's how we do it. Are you ready, Carlos? Here's how we do it. The first thing you got to do, the first thing you got to do is identify the stronghold. You got to look in the mirror and say, "God, I'm gonna stop blaming everything and everyone." Yes. When David was approached by Nathan, the prophet, he didn't make excuses. He didn't say, "Well, I just had to have her." He didn't. He, what, what did David say? He said, "God, I'm the man," and before you. And you only have I done this. You see, the problem we have in the church today, nobody wants to take ownership. Well, society, but I'm not talking to society. What do sinners do? Sinners sin. Later for the world, just like I said on Sunday morning when I addressed the the goings on, later for the rest of the world, they're going to do what the world does. God says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. Just (laughs)
1: exactly.
0: Hensley, slap him for me, would you please? No, just him. If my people, you think God's making it pretty clear? He's saying the issue isn't them. The issue is you. The issue is me. When I have a problem with somebody, the problem is not that person. That's why the Bible says very clearly, folks, if you know your brother has ought against you, you go to him. Well, they're the ones that did it. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't wait for us to come to him? He came to us. Identify. Take ownership. You have to identify the stronghold or the obsessive tendency to see it for what it is. And it's not always easy to do because it's so entrenched. We've been so deceived for so long that it's not easy to realize the stronghold that exists in our lives. 2 Timothy 2.26. Who has it? I gave it to somebody. Go ahead, Heather. You got a microphone? 2 Timothy two twenty six, and then I've got John eight forty four. 44. Now, you're going to read this out of the New Living Translation, right? Okay? Listen to what it says here. Listen to what it says here.
1: Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap.
0: They will what?
1: They will come to their senses. And what? Escape from the devil's trap.
0: They will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Read the rest.
1: For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants.
0: For they have been held captive to do whatever he wants. When I was putting this passage in there, I wanted to go into the prodigal son in Luke fifteen. Okay. What did God allow with the prodigal son? To go away. Okay, we know the prodigal's father represents God, and the son represents us. What's God let us do? Whatever we want. Okay. Go live what you want. And do you see the picture? The father never goes after him. But he always knows where he is. His eye never came off. Just like Jesus when he sent the disciples to go to the other side. Did Jesus not know the storm was coming? Did the disciples not know the storm was coming? But they got in the boat and they went. They went. But then they got in the middle of the boat when everything was going chaotic. Lord, don't you care that we
1: die?
0: And Jesus comes walking on the water. And you know the funny thing? The Bible says that he would have just walked past them, except they saw him. Does that mean Jesus didn't care? No, that means it doesn't matter what happens in the middle. He's It doesn't matter what happens in the middle. He said, get to the other side. How many know if Jesus said, get to the other side, you will make it to the other side? No matter what storm. Can I tell you something? If you gave your life to Jesus, he didn't promise a smooth passage, just a safe landing. You're going to get to the other side if you'll just stay with him. But when he was on the shore, the Bible says, "His eye never left him. He saw them struggling." Wow! Well, if he really loved me, folks, can I tell you something? If you take a butterfly and cut it out of that cocoon, you have signed his death sentence. If you take a pearl away from a clam's mouth before it is done, it's worthless. You take a diamond before it is compressed to be, oh, it might have some value, but not the value it could have. God allows struggles to turn us into the most purified. I, I, it was interesting. My wife and I saw a video a couple years ago about, about silver and the silversmith taking and purifying silver, taking the dross and taking this and back, back and forth and back and forth. And the person asked the question towards the end, how do you know it's done? He said, when I can see myself in it. you know when you're done? When the Father can see himself in you. And it's not going to be until then. But as long as we allow obsession, as long as we allow this to grab us, We are in the devil's snare. The father never stopped watching the prodigal son, but it wasn't until he came to his senses. Sadly, you know when he came to his senses? When his face was buried in the hog trough of life. He had to go all the way down before he realized he could look back up. What is Satan's greatest strategy? To lie you got to acknowledge, I got an issue. I got an issue. My wife don't have an issue. My husband don't have an issue. My work don't have an issue. The people around me don't. I got an issue. When I'm bothered by all this stuff, it ain't their issue. It's my issue. Are you with me? You okay? I'm talking about this is how the devil keeps us bound. Okay? His greatest strategy is to lie to you and I to make us a prisoner and lock us up in that deception. His greatest weapon is he's a liar. John eight forty four. Go ahead, John. What's it say?
1: Real quick. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies.
0: Well, you know, that was real stuff that happened back then. Yep. Get over it. Oh, yeah, it really affected my people. Yep. Get over it. Oh, Pastor, that's offensive. Yep. Get over it. Amen. Oh you don't understand. I'm a victim because of it. No, you're a victim because you choose to be. It affects me because I choose to. Folks, let me tell you something. There is no no such thing as white privilege. It's a choice that somebody has to believe. There is no such thing as victimization. It's only a choice that somebody makes. Only a choice. And if you choose to live in it, go talk to your father, the devil. Because that's who's got you bound up. That's right. Are you okay out there? I'm working on it, Hensley. I'm working on it. Okay, let me give you five strongholds that the enemy uses. Okay? Material obsession. Okay? I've I'm, I'm, got all kinds of notes in here, but I want to get to all these resolves. Material obsession. <laughs> Addict, addictive, habitual obsessions where you're addicted to something. It could be a habit. It could be life. It could be a $5 Starbucks. You've got to have it every day. Addiction is addiction. And I, I agree. There's literal stuff and legitimate stuff that we need. we need medical, physical, emotional, mental help for. But I say the same thing that I tell everybody when they sit down and talk to me. Don't tell me you're a victim. You made a choice. What are you going to do with the choice you made? Either Jesus is the one who said, who the son sets free is free indeed, or he's not. And if he doesn't have the power and the devil has, let's close the book and go home, eat, drink and be married. Tomorrow we're dead. It's done. Are we okay? Somebody said, Pastor, tell us about obsession. I'm doing my best. Physical appearance. The latest, the greatest. Relational obsessions. You got to know the Joneses. You got to keep up with them. What do you do when they refinance? It's just what happens. You got to rub elbows with all the elite. You got to be with the best. How about this one? The fifth one, and I left it because nobody could ever thinks about that. How about spiritual obsessions? The bottom line is you really aren't trusting God. You read your Bible 15 times a day because that's where your strength comes, not God. You go to church 100 times a week because that's where your strength comes, not God. No, these are good. But when it becomes an obsession, are we not really trying to manipulate God? Am I making sense? Well, you know, God, I've done this, this, and this, and this. You know, hell's going to be lined with people with good intentions. Jesus did everything. He just said, live for me. Just love me with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see... When we think in ministry, when we think in spiritual life that no one can do it but or like you or like me, we have a problem with obsession. The devil has a stronghold. And all he has done is he stopped your ministry from growing, my ministry from growing. A long time ago, and I, I, I helped my wife because this, once again, you all know this This is our first time together doing this. Okay? I'm divorced, remarried. She came into this. Oh, she's just excited as life could be. But the reality, she's learning all kinds of stuff. Once or twice she's asked me, you think we made the right choice? Of course, we follow that up real quickly by, of course we did. Okay? But the reality is, and so when I started, I said, the first thing I got to do is I got to start developing ministers. And when you develop them, you got to give them ministry. And you got to let them succeed or fail. You know what I learned a long time ago as a minister? The only way it's ever going to do the way I want it to be done, I have to do it. I love Pastor Ray. Does an awesome job. He don't do it like me. Some of you are saying, thank goodness. But folks, that's just the way it is you you got you got Justin's company. There ain't nobody that does his company like him. He puts drivers in those trucks. He puts them out there, and they say, well, I did this, this, and this. And he, oh, you should have done that, 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 that. But he has to let them do this, 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 and this. And then if it messes things up, he trains them, retrains them, helps them, because he knows There's only so much work one guy can do. Okay? Spiritual obsessions. Okay? So what do we do to get out of it? I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. I told Carlos I'd get it. We have to attack it. You have to attack the stronghold. Proverbs 21, verse 22. It says, a wise man attacks the city. The mighty of the mighty, and pulls down the stronghold. I look in the mirror and say, first and foremost, it's me. It's not them. I don't care what's happened. I don't care what has happened. God, this is affecting me, and there's a, a reason why it's affecting me. And the reason why it's affecting me is I'm looking at it instead of you. I've got to attack that stronghold. Okay? Are you with me so far? Hear me clearly. Whatever airy obsession or stronghold you're a prisoner of you have been locked up by deception and it is a fertile ground that the enemy has used you have to attack it okay are you with me so far okay second corinthians ten three. we're in this world but we do not battle as this world battles Okay the, the word is just exactly what it is. It comes the battle the word "battle comes from the, the word "strategia," which is the word that we get military warfare from. okay? How does the world fight? Got all kinds of programs out there, folks. But they generally look at it, they investigate it, they have classes, they have counseling, they have doctor pills, they got pills. I'm not saying that these are bad things, but these are not. Definitive things. You have to come at it with God's word. Greater is he that's in me. Are you okay? Okay, Second Corinthians 10.4. The weapons that we fight with are not of this world. I've already spent a moment on that. Okay? So the first thing you got to do, attack it. The second thing, you got to use God's weapons, not yours. God's weapons. Your weapons will fail. The first thing, you've got to put on the armor of God. You want to destroy strongholds in your life? Well, what about everybody else's life? Put your arms up. Let me see nail prints. Okay? What can you do about somebody else's life? Well, they're affecting me. Get over it. I mean, folks, it's hard preaching. But it's the only way you overcome. The only way I overcome. Can I tell you something? She will never be the woman I desire. As long as I'm trying to do my fulfillment of desires. But she does everything that I desire in him. Everything. And it only gets better. It only gets better, folks. You know why? Because I fall more in love with Him. How do I help but fall more in love with her? Man, that's good preaching. That was worth the whole price of admission right there. That was it. You got to put on the armor of God, you got to use His weapons. Prayer. When's the last time you tried to pray about your situation? You know, it was amazing. I'd get together with somebody and, you know, I want to say 100% of the time. Let's say 98% of the time. First thing I do is pray. Hey, guys, let's pray. Well, let's talk about it. After we pray. Whoa, why can't we just talk about it? Because it doesn't do no good if we don't get God in it. Prayer. Second thing, truth. Stop looking at it, how it affects you. And once you look at it, how it affects the heart of God. You think God's happy with people burning in hell? You think God's happy with people missing Jesus? See, Jesus said in John eight thirty two, And I, I was going to give you more scriptures. Ephesians 6, uh, 8, 10 through 18. You need to look at that, okay? Uh, 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 John chapter 8. Look what it says here. If you continue in my word, verse 31, you are my disciples. Too many times we want converts. Jesus ain't looking for converts. He's looking for disciples. Okay? If you continue in my word, you're my disciple. You will know the truth, verse 32, and the truth will will what? The issue is, is you're the issue. It's not the issue, folks. You're dealing with the sinner. Well, What if it's a Christian I'm dealing with? You're dealing with somebody that may have a stronghold. And the fact is, you may have a stronghold. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Truth. You will know the truth. We destroy strongholds. We destroy obsession. We destroy everything we're letting bother us. What is what is tearing this nation apart? Which, once again, we're fulfilling Scripture. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It's never destroyed by the outside. It's always destroyed by the inside. Black against white. White against brown. Brown against yellow. Yellow against red. Red against... There's another color out there. I can't remember... Folks, when it becomes about black lives, we lose. When it becomes about white lives, we lose. When it becomes about brown lives, we lose. When it becomes about anything but all lives, we lose. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. Get your butt off the victim box. We demolish every proud obstacle. Identify the stronghold, attack the stronghold, but use God's weapons, not yours. Questions? Overcoming obstacles or obsessions is pretty simple. Joshua. Okay, real quick. If you have a question, ask it quickly because I'm already over time and I know the children's ministry and nursery worker are going to plow through that door any minute and I'm going to blame Pastor Ray. <laughs> well, I got to. That's what obsession does. It blames somebody else. Go ahead.
1: I love the armor of God. I always tell my friends it's defense. There's only one offense in the whole
0: armor of God. Right. And it's unique that the only thing that's not covered is our back mm-hmm. and the Lord has that. He is our re-reward, our rear guard. What, that is, what does that literally mean? When you go look it up in Deuteronomy where it, says, where it says that he covers, he's our re-reward, it literally means that when the devil comes around back to you on your back, he's standing face-to-face with God. That's right. That's right. And God says, uh, get back out in front. My son knows how to take care of you. My daughter knows how to take care of you. And the devil don't want to deal with a man or a woman of God who really knows. Questions? Erica. Good to see you. Erica, right? Okay. You didn't have your glasses on. I was thinking, I think that's Erica.
1: Okay. uh, So my dad was talking to me the other day. And he said something. This guy sitting next to you? Yes. (laughs) Um, Put it up by your
0: mouth, honey.
1: He said something that I've been really thinking about recently. Um, Just kind of what you've been talking about is. Um, so, personally, at work, I've been struggling, uh, you know, blaming people. Um, we've had a lot of changes. And so, I, I've been really negative towards all the changes and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just hearing this, it, I mean, it's exactly what I need to hear.
0: Praise again. the Lord. See, God made the night just for you. Amen. Other questions? Please, I know we're over time, and but I'm not going to get. I'm, I'm going to take you into the into the battlefield next week. Straight, hold on into the battlefield. Bill, you got to stand up there, will, so he can. Everybody can get you. Go ahead. I'm um, trying to figure out how to put this. So, as Christians, uh, if we are deceived, which causes this obsession to happen in our lives. How, what do we do and where do we go and how do we figure out, uh, because we're deceived, how to deal with it? I know a lot of times um, as Christians, we always come across that with each other. You know, one person believes this or believes that. And and uh, it, it can cause and has caused rifts in churches and, and issues all over the place. But if it truly is our issue, How do we recognize it? How do we find it? Good question. Here's what I do. Okay? Even if I think I'm right, I will ask the person to forgive me. Why am I doing that? The Bible tells us about Jesus. Now, folks, when I use these analogies, I don't, I don't compare myself to Jesus as a toenail. But he does tell me I have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, as a lamb dumb before his shearers, what did he do? He said not a word. And then on the cross, what did he say? God get him. Kill everyone. For crispy critters, God, just go. For what did he say? Forgive them. What was Jesus doing? Taking all responsibility. As long as you're trying to look for blame, you're a victim. You're a, just a second, sis. You're a victim. How do I, if I'm deceived, what do I have to do? Who was the one that was perfectly deceived? His name was David. Perfect crime. Who could catch him? He had Uriah killed. He's a soldier in battle. Nobody had a problem with David being at home, even though he is supposed to be in battle. All his commanders knew where he was supposed to be. Nobody, I mean, my goodness, who have The guy died, and David is just taking care of the widow. The problem is God knew. When you're deceived, if you're a child of God, who's always convicting your heart? So when I face that situation, or if I'm in a meeting with somebody, staff meetings, I get a little riled every once in a while, don't I, Pastor Ray?
1: (laughs) Come on, Pastor.
0: But ninety-nine point nine percent of the time I'll say, Please forgive me. Please forgive me. The only way God can right the wrong is if I do right in the midst of the wrong. I take responsibility. So when I'm in a situation, go ahead and get the microphone over to Pastor Ray, or you did you Okay, that's right. Okay. When I'm in a situation and I see things like this happening, my default is, God, maybe this problem isn't external. Maybe this is internal. Maybe I'm looking at all this stuff this way because it's me that's got an issue. Am I answering the question at all, Bill? Am I answering the question? Maybe I'm the, and I need to look at me. Everybody else is saying it. My wife sometimes, God will use her to help me to see me. Guys, don't not, do not not listen to your wife. And wives, do not not listen to your husband. Pastor right. I think some of the element that's involved in the victim mentality is that the, Put it it real close. I've got to fix this. Mm -hmm. I've got to fix this person. I've got to fix the wrong. It's not our job to fix anybody. Bev and I talk with couples all the time when we're doing marriage counseling. It's not your job to fix your wife, period. Not your job to fix your husband, period. What you do is you come to these things, you understand who you are, and you're to listen, you're to be patient, you're to sow life, Blessing into the conversation, that'll bring the reward, bring things around. But if we think we've got to, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of this, and you talked about that. I got to be right here. I got to figure out what element was right and what was yeah. wrong. No, you don't. You need to sow into people's lives in a loving way. You got to do your best. Now, now, sad, sadly, sometimes love is straight in your face. Okay, sometimes love is exposing the whatever it is. Okay. Lots of things. Questions, please. Once we get off this subject, I do not want to come back to it. I want to get into the, the mind games that the enemy does. Okay? Somebody else? Anybody else? Okay? Real quick, Christian. Very concise. Okay? Oh, is that?
1: oh, Okay. So how do you fight um, all those things again?
0: I will tell you again. <laughs> okay? The first thing you do is you attack it. You look in the mirror and say, God, maybe it's me. Stop blaming everybody. Stop pointing the finger. Well, they did this. They did that. They did the other thing. Can I tell you something? 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 Come on, come on. Somebody say, Tell me something. Tell me something. Good. You know, if, 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 I got to be so careful. If you're a Christian, I don't care what color you are. Come on, come on. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care what side of the tracks you came from. If you are a Christian, I don't care what other people do. I don't care how we want to. Get mad at God. Hensley, did God ask you if you wanted to be black or white when you were born? And you do you do it very well, don't you? Did anybody? Ask, did anybody? Sissy, did anybody ask you what, what nationality you want to be when you were born? Okay, you're pretty happy with your nationality, aren't you? Did anybody ask you? Never mind. Don't answer that. <laughs> but seriously, if I'm a child of God, why am I trying to blame everything for what I'm dealing with? Well, you can say that because of the color you are. Okay, Jesus, sorry. Uh, Carlos. Carlos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, I, I was trying not to forget my question, but earlier you were saying uh, if, if a Christian gets obsessed with this, always reading their Bible like 15 times a day or doing this 15 times a day, if they're a Christian... And they're obsessed with that. That'll just be a works that's burned in the fire, right? It's not like that's not going to contain. It's not going to keep you from. No, you're right. Okay. (laughs) But the thing is, is what I always ask myself is why do I do what I do? You guys have heard me preach that until I'm blue in the face. Why do I do? Why do I read? Why do I think I need to read the Bible 15 times a day? It's not a problem. Read it 115 times a day. But if I'm doing it because I think I'm winning favor, I'm doing works. And according to 1 Corinthians 3, it's all going to be burned up. Read When you guys go home tonight, read 1 Corinthians 3. It'll give you some great revelation. And then read Revela- uh, Romans chapter 8. And then, of course, while you're at it, read Revelation chapter 12. Okay? And what, you know, when you're done with that, go to Philippians chapter 3 and 4. Okay? And it'll, folks, it'll just set you free. It'll set you free. I've got to close. Uh, who had the question? Miss Heather.
1: It's just a quick one. Um, so what about actual victims, like rape victims or murder? Obviously, they're dead then, but, um, <laughs> but what about, like, attempted murder, et cetera? Like, what, are, what about people who are actual victims? Like, how can you help them get out of, obviously, forgiveness, but then, but then what if they're actual victims? Okay.
0: Uh, I'm going to answer this, and it's going to sound very in your face. Uh, the first victim was Jesus. And what did he do? Father, forgive them. If you're a victim, folks, it's horrible. It is horrific. Nobody should ever have to go. But the reality is, are we a victim of a person? Are we a victim of sin? Okay? Yes, a person perpetrated that. Okay? But what do sinners do? Now, I can allow hatred to be birthed in me. I can allow bitterness to be birthed in me or I can allow healing and forgiveness to be birthed in me. Folks, this is hard. This is hard because we live in a society that is bent on reparation. Bent on reparation. How do I repay for slavery? How do I repay for rape? How do I repay, you know, for what... what, happen to our, our native brothers and sisters? How do how do I how do I repay that? I can't. All I can do is say, Jesus, help me. Help me. Help me to love what I want to hate. Help me to do good to what did bad to me. Guys, gals, there is no easy answer, but the minute you become a victim You become in a stronghold, prison of obsession. Well, you know, those people out there, they just, they look at me different. They do that. Welcome to a world we're in that we don't battle like. Are you okay? This is hard teaching, but I'm trying to help us to overcome the strongholds. I don't know if that helped or not. I, I'm not, I'm not demeaning, folks. It is horrible. It's horrific. But do I live a victim? Or do I live a victor? Oh yeah, there. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, you. It's good to counsel. It's good to talk through. Let, Let me. I love my daughter. My daughter, my, 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 my oldest daughter, 40 years old. And she wants me to look at all this stuff to help me realize she's a victim. She got hooked on prescription medication, still dealing with it. And I tell my daughter, I say, honey, I love you, but you're not a victim. You made a choice. Now you're dealing with the consequences of that choice. But you've got to deal with it. You've got to make decision, am I going to always be a victim or am I going to be a victor? And the minute you decide to be a victor, you break the stronghold. Oh, it doesn't mean that the journey is going to be easy. But you break the stronghold. Take your time. That's what you got to do. you got to own it. Yes, this horrific thing happened to me. Okay? What do I do about it? Live in it or grow from it? Is everybody okay tonight? I'm sure I've won friends and influenced people. Ladies and gentlemen, I I don't know how else to pastor except with the truth. Okay? So, question, Jack? Anybody else got a question? Anybody else? No, he didn't have one. No. Did somebody else? Anybody? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. If God, if I've caused offense, God, forgive me. But God, if somebody's taken offense, forgive them. God, help us to own the fact that we live in this world, but we don't battle like this world battles. We have weapons of victory to overcome the obsessive, compulsive, victim strongholds that the enemy tries to keep people bound in. In Jesus' name, amen. Do me a favor. Take this message with you. Take this message with you. Say, Pastor, I'm not going to preach it like you. Live it and watch what God does. God bless you. Love you. See you next week.